views and opinions on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of ESPN Tucson 1490 and 104.9 FM or the Arizona Lotus Corporation. Got car trouble? Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas-drinking, piston clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheeled buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. Welcome back to the second hour of the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show right here on ESPNTucson.com, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM. I'm Jerry Simmons, your host, along with riding shotgun and doing a good job for me this morning, Jim Mooney for front, from Frontier Towing for all of your towing needs, 748-1100, 748-1100. Welcome back to the second hour of the Simmons Car Care Show. Jim, you still with me? I'm still here. Yeah, my, my phone doesn't break up like yours sometimes. But maybe it's maybe it's just. I have phone. no I idea what's going on. I don't. I don't know either. Uh, you know, it's it costs. I've never spent this much money to have something aggravate the heck out of me half the time. So, but it is what it is. We'll deal with it. I'm glad to see the water. I'm glad to see the water. But water's been affecting phones in Tucson, Arizona, since I've been in business 47 years. So I'm used to that. I'm used to it. I'm getting more used to it now, understanding how it all works. But another thing that I'd kind of like to touch on is uh, people that are traveling. had a buddy of mine. I won't call her her initials or Susan, but uh, I had breakfast with him at a business club Friday morning, and she was telling me that uh, she went up to Pine Top. And she decided she'd take a back road coming back to Tucson. Five and a half hours later, she made it back. She's got a car that has GPS in it. And she said, well, I don't know how to get that thing set. Okay. Okay. And that brought up a good point. There's a lot of people that have this stuff, uh, and they don't know what it is. There, There is so much information in these cars now. You know, GPS, you can you can set to GPS. Uh, you've got a cell phone that you can go GPS on, but cell phones on GPS sometimes don't reach everything you have that you need. You don't have cell service or uh, road signs on these back roads are not available. And remember the old thing? It used to be called a map. You may want to back it up with a map if you plan on running around the countryside. Because they have some pretty good road maps in there. They don't have names on them, but you can always track it following the line. But know how to use the at least your safety items on the inside. And believe it or not, a, a map is a, a it turns into be a good safety items. I don't know if you people remember, but there's people been known to get off the road, especially in 
the bad weather. And they'll get, they'll take a one or they'll be following their GPS and it'll put them on a the wrong road because it's a shortcut. And you'll get out, you'll run through a wash, you'll get stranded. And people go out there and they're seven and ten days out in a car in the middle of nowhere in the state of Arizona. They're kind of hard to find because most people know you've told somebody where you're going, but you didn't mention anything about taking the shortcuts. So when the search and rescue team starts tracking you back, they're having a, a big problem. Know how to use, and the vehicle that she was driving has everything in it, probably has a TV in it, but it's got everything else I know because I know the car. And But you need to know how to use the equipment that you've got to keep yourself out of trouble. Now, when Jim and I have been talking about the stuff you need to take along with you when you're going out on a road, on a road trip, if you're going to take a shortcut, it's even more critical that you have all of the safety equipment with you, like water, blankets, and food, and you either have a charger in your car with a cord that will reach to your cell phone, or you take an extra battery or a portable charger. I have all of the above. That's how big of a chicken I am when I'm running. I don't want to go out. In fact, I even put a portable CB in there in case I need to plug it all in, fire it up, and try to get some help. And I have used the portable CB. I have used the cell phones. I have. I know what it is from search and rescue to have a dead battery in a cell phone. If you have a cell phone and a dead battery, try to text the information out. A lot of times when it says no service, you can use a cell phone and use a text message and actually get out. I've seen that from the backside of Mount Lemon, and it actually works. So that's my safety tip. But if you're going to go out and run these back roads in Arizona, it's beautiful scenery. I don't blame her a bit for taking the back roads to come back to Tucson. It took her five and a half hours. By the way, that's one of those laugh out louds when you hear Susan tell her story on this. Uh, but safety, you have to think safety at all times. And when I asked her, uh, you didn't set your, you didn't go to your cell phone and, and try to track yourself out? No. Did, you didn't go to your car and try to set it up on the uh, GPS? No. And I said, okay, well, you were on an adventure. <laughs> so you just drive and you enjoy driving. You know, it's not the first time anybody's been lost and, and out there driving a the car because I remember back when they didn't have GPSs or cell phones. You go out in the backcountry of Virginia and you try to find your way out of some of those little places that you hadn't been to in 15 years and everything's changed, you're going to wind up lost. I did. I wound up lost in about 35 miles from where I was supposed to go. Uh, so it's, I'm not making fun of her. It just brought up a thing about making sure that your cell phone has a hot battery. Make sure you at least know how to go to the safety items, which is you can always call 911 if you can, uh, and they will tell you where you're at because they'll have a GPS locator at 911 station and they can look it up and tell you, okay, this is where you're at. They can talk your way out. We do that out in the desert with people calling into 911. Uh, the guys can get on the line and actually talk to you if you've got a hot battery and tell you where you're at and what you need to do to come out. Remember, 
for this is for the hikers as well as the people that's going to go exploring out in the middle of the desert. If you get in a jam, call 911. Call them first. They will help you and try to gauge, get you out of there because they have the equipment and the technical uh, technology to help you get out of a jam. Uh, for the people out that are hiking in Sabino Canyon, Tanca Verde area, just remember, the grass and weeds are growing like they're on steroids right now. You're going to have the trails be covered, and they're small trails, especially when all the grass and the weeds and stuff has grown up around it and over it. So be very careful when you're out there. And if you get in a jam, just dial 911 and see if they can talk you out of it. Uh, it happened uh, through two, two times last week, three times last week. And with the water flowing, remember, the water comes down these canyons. Just because it has a, uh, like Sabino, I think, is running at about 18 to 24 inches, that's a lot of water, especially if it's moving. So remember, you can go out and get across the Sabino to the other side, and then for the ones I've just been paying attention to the news, you've seen where Tucson Fire Department has come in with that big rig that they've got and actually put expanded the rig, the ladder system, all the way across the wash, and that's how they got 27 out. This is last week. So it's real. They walked across it going in, coming back. They couldn't get back across it because of raining up on top of Mount Lemon, and then here comes all the water. So be very, very careful out there. All right. You got anything you want to add to that, Jim? Excellent, excellent. Yes, um, so when you're four-wheeling or hiking or whatever, um, knowing where you're going before you go is really a, a really good idea. Um, also, if for you, let's say you get out there and you get stuck, um, and you're looking at your phone, and you got a good phone and you got a good battery, and you're trying to tell somebody where you're at. Okay, remember that you can get GPS coordinates on your phone, but sometimes they come in degrees, minutes, and seconds, and sometimes they come in decimal. So make sure that if you're trying to tell somebody where you're going to, you relate the correct information to them. Otherwise, one set of GPS coordinates might show them in oh. uh, Bangladesh <laughs> in lieu of being in, in Tucson, correct. Arizona. Correct. <laughs> so I remember, just so you guys know, we're, we're, we're at 32 degrees and, 100 and minus 111 south. So... Um, it's, we're always in the minus. So if you put, type in 111 or 110 uh, on your GPS, we're, we're we're in the negative field because we're because we're on the top, we're on the top side of the equator. I don't know how it got backwards, but it just is. So just so you know, if, if you type them in wrong, you'll put somebody on the wrong side of the planet, uh, literally on the wrong side of the planet. Because I've looked them up before, and we do a lot of we do a lot of work out and around. Uh, the uh, border area. We do a lot down in Sasabe, uh, uh down by down past Cells, um, down by um, Nogales, Aravaca. We go down there a lot, and we do a lot with um, coordinates. And people have to you have to tell somebody what coordinates they're they're giving you or what you're giving them, so that you can so that you can calculate it right. Well, once you 
once you guys get on the same page, it's pretty easy to find them, especially with the coordinates. You can you can track it right down. But if you don't if you don't give it to them correctly, garbage in, garbage out. That's the old computer guys say. So just make sure you make sure you understand what you're doing. And if you don't, practice before you go. Go out there and try it. Try and try and take the coordinates. Stand outside your house, take the coordinates, and then try and put them up on Google and see how how well it works. And you'll under when when it doesn't work, you'll understand what the pitfalls are. And then you can then you can understand how you're giving the coordinates to the somebody else. And of trying to do it in an emergency situation when you're out of water, you're stuck, and you're and you're not thinking to the best of your ability because that's what happens in an emergency situation. Right. So. Try before you go. Ab- Just give it a ab- give it a demo. It, it works. Absolutely. And when when you're giving those uh, coordinates out, if you miss one number, you can move it fifty miles easy, fifty, or you can move easy. it to another country. So when when you give it to whoever you're giving it to, where you're at, make sure have them to read it back to you, and make sure that the coordinates are correct. The deputies in 911 operation are pretty good about that when you call in. Hopefully, they'll be able to pick up and verify your um, coordinates that they pick up on your phone when you call 911, so you should be safe to go. All right. Electric vehicles. I want to cover this. I thought this was kind of cool. Electric vehicle manufacturers will adopt future chemistry over the next five to seven years to overcome range anxiety and cost issues. San Antonio, Texas, the increasing adoption, the increasing adoption of electric vehicles has pushed the need for efficient batteries, battery solution, argumented safety, and an extended lifespan. Uh, recent analysis finds that many research institutions, battery suppliers, and key original equipment manufacturers are collaborating to develop future battery chemistries with effective material performance, reduce production costs, and enhance safety. As future chemistries, solid-state sodium ion, lithium ion evolve, they will offer improved safety. Increased energy density and faster charging capabilities, overcoming the challenges associated associated with uh, lithium-ion batteries. The automotive industry has identified several limitations of EV battery technology and is focused on bringing bringing about a power revolution. Mobile research analysis, uh, Faust and Sullivan, due to this, the industry seeks advancement in terms of design, packaging, and alternate chemistries in battery packs. Metal air batteries such as aluminum air and lithium air batteries are in, a, in the research process. Lithium sulfate, uh, lithium, uh, sodium ion, and solid-state batteries are in the development stages and can be commercialized over the next five years. Further, most OEM, which is original equipment manufacturers, will invest in solid-state batteries manufactured and, and adopted SSB by 2030, mainly due to the high power-to-weight ratios for future EVs. Uh, to repeat benefits of future chemistry and more effective battery solution, 
You should. Include multiple chemistries such as solid state, sodium ion, lithium ion instead of priority, single. Hang on, my little dickadoo mood here. Here we go. Single chemistry. Collaborate with technology companies to offer a higher range, power, and safety as much as a battery manufacturer an EV manufacturer will adopt future chemistry over the next five to seven years to overcome range anxiety and cost issues. Adopt future chemistry for better cost, safety, and thermal management, which is the heat. Cost efficiency will make, whoops, lost it. Hang on. Cost efficiency will make EVs more affordable in the long term. I thought that was a pretty good heads up, and that comes from Motor Magazine, which is automotive. So they are working on it. We've said this over and over and over. They're still working on the batteries. They're still trying to uh, get this all put up. But they are, they've been after it. They are constantly, there's billions of dollars involved in battery technology right now. I mean, everybody's going after it. Because the ones there with the best one to start with is a winner. That's the way I look at it. So, yeah, they're, they're investing money, research and development. And that's what they're doing now. All right, we got a caller on the line. Who we got? We got uh, Big Al that wants to talk something about the weather you guys were speaking about. Yeah, chicken. You bring him. Good morning, Big Al. Gerald, it's always a pleasure. Do you have your contortionist uh, co-host there available? He, he is standing by. <laughs> not, okay, not so keep talking. Uh, after, after my after a few Advil, I'm I'm better. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just listening to your Motor Magazine uh, article, and the word range anxiety came up. Do you know what that means? I do, because I drive a CNG with oh. limited range. Mm-hmm. I know what it range means. anxiety. Limited range. Yep. It, range anxiety means the driver's afraid to go more than about, uh, you know, the the speck of uh, what they say to go. And as it gets closer, there's more anxiety. Right. It's like That's driving right. around with a quarter of a tank. Because you don't know if it's 300 miles or if it's going to be 150. That's right, Gerald. That's a great term. I, I've and, never heard of that before. Well, it that's just the way it is. It's like with any new product that comes on the market. Uh, you know, you drive them. I think they're the coolest thing in the world, except it won't do what I need it to do. And right. that's right now. It will be coming, but is it going to be affordable when it gets here? And I'm just wondering if we're going to be alive when it gets here. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but uh, I mean, Jimmy might make it. I may not. But, uh, I'm not sure you and I will. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Well, I'm not going to hold my breath for it. Right now, I'll just keep driving my diesel and keep it running clean and, uh, you know, and see if I can't dodge the bullet for a few years. Because uh, electric vehicles right now are what are uh, start around uh, for pickups are around ninety to one hundred and thirty five somewhere around there. And what's uh, the range on that, Jerry? A lot of money. Well, what's the, the range on that truck? Two hundred, three hundred miles. Three hundred. Uh, okay. No, it was one hundred and 
it was actually towing a 3,000-pound trailer or, or something like that. It was down to 80 percent, uh, you know, 80 uh, percent of the mileage that it said it would go. So and, 240? No, I've got that wrong. I've got, I've got that wrong. It goes 80 miles. They were pulling it 80 oh, miles. Man. They had it mapped out. You can't even get to Phoenix. And it goes 80 well, that's what I'm saying. You know, it depends on the, but the weather, everything depends on that. You know, that's the reason they're even working, uh, with electric airplanes trying to get airplanes up electric. But there are so many factors involved because everything in an airplane is electric and everything pulls from the battery. And so I'm trying to figure out how they're going to put something on that airplane can keep the batteries charged as the airplane is going. Because you're not getting my hind end in an airplane that's electric right now. I don't have that kind of nerve. I don't even care if it's got a parachute on it. But I'd say that's range anxiety. <laughs> that's called scare the crap out of you. That's what that is. Yeah. And <laughs> but uh, being from the older senior class, you know, we look at this stuff a little bit more cautious. Uh, because we've seen the new models come out, and uh, nobody, I mean, I don't buy a brand-new model that hits the market on the first year. I don't do it because they still have to get the bugs out of it. They've got a lot of technical service bulletin out. You you look at the little Maverick that Ford's just put out. That thing has everything in the world. It has a little hybrid motor in it, and it's supposed to be a real good one, get good fuel economy. It's a small truck. And it also has nine recalls on it already. Well, this little son of a gun's only been out a couple of years. And it's got nine recalls. And my thought on that stuff is, you know, why didn't you get it right the first time before you rolled it out? Well, because, because they, need it, they need us to practice on it. We, they need our information, just like the Tesla auto driving, right, Jimmy? They need our information, time in the seat, so they can, uh, we make the mistakes for them for free. They need, and, and yeah, they put data. a guinea pig. A guinea pig drives it, and then we keep making excuses for it because it's our favorite color and it's the size we wanted. And but uh, yeah, and as long as you adhere to the safety recalls and get them in and get it taken care of, that's fine. As long as they're going to give you something to drive while that little nineteen is originally put out there for nineteen thousand nine hundred ninety-five dollars. And I spotted one on uh, a used one for forty two. So the I think the price may have increased a little bit on it. The one I'm looking forward to, Al, is the uh little Chevy that they've got across the border that they're building electric. And it's supposed to come back in and here again it says twenty two to twenty three thousand dollars for this little electric car. I'm wondering what it's actually gonna be when it hits the streets. Because it's got a 150-mile range on it, which is fine for running around Tucson, Arizona. While I said that to say this, they've got electric vehicles now. We're talking about the Ford. It's got a 300-mile range. If you take that little Ford truck and you run around just Tucson, Arizona, I think that's ideal. Because you don't have to worry about 300 miles goes out. So if it goes out a little early, so plug it in. But... All of that is in the process of changing on a minute-by-minute minute or second-by-second basis because new technology has been developed. 
These guys are spending billions of dollars to try to get this thing corrected. Because if you don't, people are going to say, I don't think so. California, who was buying all the electric cars in the world when they first come out. And now they're starting to change back. And I think it's three out of five electric car owners are actually trading their cars in because of inconvenience of charging the things up, the extra time that it takes, because everybody's on a time schedule. And, you know, so they're giving up that one, and they're going to cars, because you've got little cars out there that are gas burners that will get you 35 to 40 miles per gallon. So why do I have to buy an electric vehicle and spend 30 minutes trying to get it charged up so I can get on down the road to get 35 or 40 miles per gallon, or which at that time it don't it, – it equates out, but – I'll just I'll take the hit on the uh, 35, 40 mile per gallon and burning completely clean versus the electric. Even though I like the electric, but I don't like the the infrastructure for the electric yet, and it's really coming a long way. Uh, so Jerry, it's just the fact that it's in? it's it's come a long way, but uh, it's at glacier speed because. They're trying to redefine all these things, and it's hard to do, and it's very slow. And so I just wonder uh, if we're going to be around when we get to, uh, let's say, a 400-mile range on a vehicle that you can afford. And, Jimmy, uh, I just wanted to ask you, have you been to these truck stops where uh, they have plug-ins for electric, and you see all these people in Teslas sitting on their cell phones in the cars? Uh, messing around with their cell phones while they're charging their cars. Yeah, happens all the time. Well, the, the fun, I like the one where the guy parks in an electric spot who doesn't have an electric car and how mad the other per, the electric car guy gets. That's kind of interesting. Um, um, but, but I have a question for you, Big Al. Um, how, so how do you, how do you cope with range anxiety? What's, what's your, what's your trick for that? I mean, you, you deal well, with it. With, with your well, your good question. It's a good question. I don't have an electric car. I have CNG, and uh, the reason I the reason I cope with range anxiety is because when it gets to about 150 miles, I just go fill up. But I I can drive it to Casa Grande. I can drive it to Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix has plenty of them, but you really have to if you're going to go, you know, to Phoenix. You got to, you know, fill up when you get to Phoenix. I mean, you'll have 30 miles. And uh, then you got to go fill up by the airport or wherever you go. So so, you're, you're so you need to know where you're going to be able to fill up. So there's an exactly. infrastructure issue with the CNG. That's exactly right, so Jerry. There's not enough of them. Right. So, so you, that, that could go. Now, they're talking about the uh, hydrogen-fired um, uh, vehicles now. Europe is looking at the big trucks of hydrogen fuel because this See, to me, can actually pull into a station over there. And, right. And That's, to me, that makes more sense than electric. Sure. Well, that, that runs on uh, natural gas. It runs on propane. And so you can fill it up at just about any – propane has a better infrastructure. Uh, yeah, it has a better infrastructure because you you fill up your propane tank when you go camping. You can pull into a service station and fill it up. And it has the same connections on it that the automobiles do. 
So you could actually fill it up at a, a gas station. But you've got to know where this is available before you, you plan in your trip needs to be planned just a little bit tighter and you need to write it down so that you don't have to go to your cell phone and find out, okay, where's the stations at? If you spend about 15, 20 minutes sitting at your kitchen table drinking coffee, write down your plan on a big spiral notebook and just keep it right beside you in the seat. And then you can say, okay, well, here's my next fill-up station, and you've got a way to go. Yeah. Jimmy, um, i got, I got to answer your rest of your question. Uh, I bought a fueling station that you can connect. It's about the size of a dishwasher that you can connect on your home line, and you can fill it at your house uh, at about a gallon an hour. So, you know, it takes five or six hours to fill it. Versus if you go into a station, it takes, you know, same as a regular gas fill. Car. So you can fill it overnight at your house, just like you plug in an electric car at your house. Uh, but, you know, it's a buck forty a gallon at your house to fill it. Versus, versus. Well, that's, that's so quite a you, savings. You, what kind of mileage do you, you get on that? Uh, Jerry, I get about uh, 27. Jimmy, go ahead. I didn't hear you. So, 20, 27, that's pretty good. So, when you're going to Phoenix, what you do is you basically drive to the airport and fuel and then continue to your destination in Phoenix. Well, is that how, is that or what I can do, Jimmy, is I fill it in Casa Grande and then I'm good to go uh, up and around Phoenix and then I fill it in Phoenix before coming home. Okay. So, so you, so pretty much you, you plan your stages so that you, um, make sure you're you're fueled at at all times. So you make the stop, and lieu of just driving straight to Phoenix to your destination, you make the the intermediate stop to fuel. Oh, and then you right. do your trip, and then then the return trip home. And, and what's funny? What's funny about that, Jimmy, is that I drive right by the Lucid factory in Casa Grande, <laughs> where they're building those electric cars to fill my CNG. <laughs> I get off of Thornton Road, off of I-8, and I go right north up to uh, the far west side of Casa Grande, and there's a, uh, one, the only fill station in Casa Grande. Uh, it's not busy. Uh, is what it? is it at Casa Grande? It's not busy. It's not busy. I'm the only one there. I've never, ever seen anybody except uh, trucks for um, Hensley Distributing that also uh, have their fleet full of CNG. Right, the beer guy. How much is a gallon of CNG in Casa Grande? Two seventy nine. That's still uh, cheaper than gasoline. House. Yeah, it's double the house, double Jimmy. House right, but but I get a fast fill. I don't have to wait, you know, because it's a, a, at your house, it fills a gallon an hour. It's very slow right. fill. It's 3,600 PSI at the fuel station. Correct, 3,600. But here's what I did last week, and then I got to I got to uh, tell you why I really called, which is not this. I bought a uh, Ford Transit van from a fleet, uh, but it's dual fuel. It's CNG and gasoline. So now my range is probably about 400 to 500 miles. If I use both, 
Right. And I think that's the way to go. You have to switch it. You have a switch that you switch it from CNG to gasoline. Yeah. That's right. Uh, So you use the CNG first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because it's cheaper. And then you go to gas uh, to get you to the next CNG station. Yeah. Okay, then that cures the range anxiety. That's right. No range anxiety. No more range anxiety for Big Al, Jimmy. <laughs> so that, that's, that's pretty interesting. So the, the, this vehicle, was it ran, that you purchased, was it ran mostly, was it a Hensley vehicle? Was it ran mostly on CNG or mostly on gas? It, it wasn't. It was run mostly on CNG, and it's not a Hensley vehicle. It was another fleet vehicle from another company that I can't name. But they're, okay. they're uh, changing out there. It's a 17 and it has 170,000, um, but uh, 170,000 burning CNG is probably like about 90,000 on an engine because it there's no carbon. That's correct. Right. That's correct. It cuts down the carbon, keeps you clean. And it's all road miles that the guy drove it. So oh, um, I just I think I got a pretty good deal on it, but I don't, I'll wait and see. That was what oh, I yeah. was wondering. Well, you... some of the advantages are – go ahead. Jim, I need you to come up on the volume a little bit. Oh, only I'm zoom all the way up. How about that? Is that better? That's a lot better. Uh, no, Thank I was just, you. I was just, uh, I was just curious because the – the, if it's like you said, if it's, if it's all CNG, there's no carbons on your in your engine. So running it on dual fuel, your your carbon buildup is significantly reduced. And I don't know that if Jerry could answer this. I don't know if the uh, buildup is reduced by using CNG on top of fuel. So when you're running CNG, does your soft carbons go away? Be interesting to know. I don't know if it does, but the um, the uh, running it on the CNG is definitely keeps the motor clean. I mean, it's like a sparkling inside when you tear one down. They're they're really neat. So, yeah, just like running on propane. The other advantage of running CNG is your oil change intervals. You can just about double your oil change intervals if you run CNG or propane because there is no garbage inside the engine. And you're right. That's the reason a lot of your farmers were running propane. Um, on uh, their uh, equipment, their pumps and stuff out in the fields where they run 24-7. They'd run them on propane because it runs and burns a lot cleaner. You don't have the burn valves inside. Uh, it, it just runs a lot better. Now, to the answer of will CNG clean the soft carbons off, yeah, it should. Uh, will it get the hard carbons? After a while, you still, if if you're running that gasoline motor, you're going to have a, a buildup of carbons, but it's on a clean engine if you've been primarily running CNG. So then when you go back to CNG, theoretically, it should flush the soft carbons because it's, it's that's what it's designed to do, I mean, keep an engine clean. And it's also don't put garbage fuel back in there to carbon it up again. So it should be able, at a running speed, it should be able to clean that thing off. That's just my hillbilly version of, yeah, I think it will, okay? 
I do know that it runs exa- uh, really clean because having owned a machine shop at one time, building engines, you could see the ones that's been running on propane, and it's a different ball game. I mean, that thing is just absolutely gorgeous. But you also save money on changing the oil because there's nothing in the engine that's contaminating the oil on the blow-by or anything like that. So it runs cleaner, and that's the reason when you pop an engine on a CNG car or a propane car, you've got a different inside. The, the, I mean, it looks like somebody's already been in and rebuilt the engine. It's that clean. So I have a lot of – and we have plenty of propane. Yeah. No. Propane's a little more volatile, though. It's a little more volatile. Uh, you know, if you were hit, it, it, you could – it could blow up. But with CNG, that flash point is much higher than even gasoline. So it just it just escape, you know, if the tank were ruptured. It'd be pretty hard to light the CNG. Yeah. You're right. It well, the, it's not hard it's, to light propane, really hard. Uh, and your fuel economy on them on the uh, CNG. I, I haven't done the CNG. I have done the propanes. The propanes should run about seventeen percent less fuel economy. Yeah, they're not uh, as I know good. The E85, the E85 runs about anywhere from fifteen to seventeen. But your fuel delivery systems on these vehicles anymore is so much more advanced than it was originally when we were doing the dual fuel conversions that uh, it it your fuel economy. That's why they got such high fuel economy now is because the fuel delivery systems on these vehicles, if they're clean out and running properly, then the computer does the rest and it just adjusts for everything. But that's on a properly maintained vehicle. If you've got a vehicle you've totally ignored for 50,000 miles, you're going to have all sorts of little problems popping up. Uh, you should have had them popping up already, but it's something that you just have to pay attention to. You can't, you can't just, you know, drive it or, you know, out of sight, out of mind. You actually have to go in and read that boring owner's manual and say, okay, well, maybe I need to take a peek at this and, or have a good shop. And they'll they'll do it for you, but you got to make sure I'm that just, everything is done properly and maintained properly. I was gonna I was gonna uh, I called originally to talk talk to you guys. You were talking about the weather. Uh, they have a flash flood warning up mm-hmm. in Aravipa Canyon until eight thirty because of the mountain runoff. And Aravipa well, they got uh, they're gonna have up, some. Up north, it looks like they're going to have more runoff because I, I see down south from my place they've got rain on the Santa Rita's already, and I haven't looked out the front door to see what they've got on Catalina, but it's supposed to be raining for the next two or three days, four days. So that's all right. Get the desert needed to water. We need the water tables raised, and this is getting it done. I like it. I don't, I don't, like I don't have anything else for you, steroid, but. I don't, Yep. Well, you know what to do with weeds, Jerry. Jerry, you know what to do with weeds. Yeah. Go ahead. You put them in your pipe. You put them in your pipe. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Nope. 
I never have, and I never will. I'm too big of a chicken. I'll tell you what I do with my weeds. I take my mules out of the stall, and I put a halter on them, and I hook them up to the hot walker, and I just let them meander around at the base of the hot walker. And that pretty much cures that area. But I've got two and a half acres under development, and I've got some grass out there. It's drop-dead gorgeous because it's all green. I have sprayed, I'm going to buy stock in weed killer because I have sprayed so much weeds and I'm thinking, oh, it don't work until you go out and look. Yeah, everywhere I sprayed, the weeds are dead and every piece of bare yep. ground around them has come back with weeds. So Don't put those mules out after weeds. you sprayed there. Oh, I don't. Don't put those don't. mules out there. No, I keep them. I, I don't let dogs out. Nothing. I don't let the dog out. Don't put the mules out. None of that herbicides or this stuff, because even though it's supposed to be friendly, it may be friendly. Well, I remember antifreeze. Oh, that's another thing. Antifreeze, people, when you drain your antifreeze, it's supposed to be dog friendly and all of that. But, uh, you know, uh, if it was that friendly, I'd probably be feeding it to my dogs, and I don't feed it to the dogs. So, uh, But I know the, next uh, time when I come out to your house, Jerry. Next time I come out to your house with huh? Jimmy, uh, you go. Next time I come out to your house with Jimmy, don't go tell us to play out in the yard. <laughs> oh no, the stuff that I've got well, goes, goes dead eater, in about two days. There you go. So, but I don't. I, I most of you grown ups, I don't have crawling around in the backyard anyway because somebody have to pick you up. <laughs> Especially hey, I'll let you guys go. Out. <laughs> I'll let you guys go. Jerry, I'll bring, I'll bring that I'll bring that transit van by when I take possession of it. It should be about a month. I'll bring it by and let you and Jimmy take a look. It's pretty slick. Oh, good. I'd be interested. I'd like to yeah. see it. I'd oh, like, yeah. I'd like to see how they do the conversion I like the system that you've got on there. So. <laughs> All right. Appreciate Excuse it. I'll let you guys take care. Bye-bye. 719-1490, 719-1490. Now, we've discussed and we've done everything but cuss the electric vehicle market, which you won't get me to do. And one, because I think it is here, every manufacturer on the planet is making these things now. They're coming out at such a rate, they're like anything else. They're, they're coming out so fast, all I'm saying is do your homework on them, uh, look at past what you see, the color of the vehicle. You know, understand that cold weather affects how fast the depletion is of the current battery system in these cars that are running electric vehicles. You know, it's, it's, it's real. It's not really hidden. I mean, you can find out the information, but the real test is just like uh, Jim put out one time. If you take a battery in a drill and you run it, just burp it every now and then to put a screw in or something like that, that battery is going to last a long time. If you go commercial and you start building a barn with it or a house with it and you're using that battery at full speed ahead with every bit of the power it's got in there, that battery is going to wear out really, really quick. Do you know how long? No, because you don't really have a way to gauge it when you're using it. Electric cars do, and thank goodness they've got that on there because that 
relieve some of the anxiety if you've planned your trip and know where you're going to fill up. Now, you're talking about cars that run some distance. That electric car, the $180,000 Tesla, is supposed to have a 600-mile range. If I'm going across country and i got a difference in the weather, it depends on what time of the year you're going through, I'm going to be watching everything on something like that. So, fine. I'm going to anticipate it says 600. I, since I'm a chicken and I don't like to break down, I am going to be filling up at probably 400 miles. As I get used to the vehicle and start to respect its ability to actually perform the way the manufacturer said it will, because they know also that range anxiety and cost of the vehicle is the number one player in these things. So I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna be a little leery too until everything gets worked out and I'm gonna keep researching and find anything and everything. I was tickled to death when I found the article on the batteries and what they're doing. And this is globally. This is globally that they're working on this. Efficiency battery solutions globally. Okay? So it's coming. It's coming. It'll be there. But, of course, I'm just like every other American. I don't have a lot of patience. I want it yesterday. Uh, that's what we have learned to do. That's what we have learned to expect. You know, when you want somebody to come out and work on your house or come out and work on your refrigerator or something in the house, you want it done today because that refrigerator is very important to you. <laughs> I love the pollen. Um, but it's, it's just it's one of those things. That it's, it's just like anything else, any new product hitting the market, you just have to pay attention to them. I remember you take a, a refrigerator. I had a refrigerator one time. It was 21 years old before it ever decided to even do anything wrong. And then, because it's so outdated, the wife decided, well, we need to upgrade this. And so they upgraded one. Seven years later, I was upgrading that thing again. And then I find out that they're only designed to last about 10 years. Built-in obsolescence. I don't know how in the world you do that on an electronic product. But they've done it. So air conditioning units on the house. I've got one on one end of the house that's 22 years old. The one on the other end of the house was replaced in 1970 because it lost a compressor. Same model, same brand, everything. But the new one that I replaced with it pulls less electricity to do the same job. So it's actually an improvement. So everything changes. Everything gets a little better uh, based on what the consumer says. It's it's funny, but Al wasn't wrong. We are the people who who buy these vehicles, who give the feedback to the manufacturers because safety recalls comes from the consumer. Uh, technical service bulletins come from the consumer. Uh, NASCAR has always been a test track for Ford, General Motors, and at the time, Chrysler. Their test track was NASCAR. If NASCAR can make these things run that long, what are they doing? They actually have engineers from these manufacturers employed by NASCAR. And everybody is watching to see if they can build a better widget. 
and they build a better widget, the consumer will buy it if they like it. If it's going to be something that's in the shop more than it's under my butt driving down the road, I'm not going to buy that car again. I probably won't even keep it till the warranty's out of it. But there's only so much crap it will put up with. And they're they're trying to address it before we have to put up with it. So I think that's pretty good on those. Um, for the people, on, uh, let's look at brakes. Uh, brakes, emergency brakes, uh, uh, any any problem with braking area. I covered last week about uh, brake fluids. Let me Go chime ahead, in Jim. on your electric real quick here. Let me chime in on your electric. So Go ahead. just remember... Um, on the electric, you know, one thing we, we haven't talked about um, is service of an electric vehicle um, and, and um, repair and, and crash. Well, we know when we crash an electric vehicle, there's a risk of a battery fire. But also, electric cars are like 30% heavier than your gas car because of the batteries. An F-150 weighs almost 7,000 pounds. An electric F-150 weighs almost 7,000 pounds. An electric uh, electric car weighs about 4,000 compared to 28. So when we're working on this stuff, it's gonna you're gonna see an inc- probably an increase in pricing because lifts now have to get bigger. Um, it's gonna take much more energy to push these things around. Um, and when you're stopping, it takes a little bit longer to stop them because you're moving a, a bigger mass. So one of the reasons why range probably drops is because, well, when you add 30% more weight to the car, if you did that in a gas car, you would get thrown out of the, out of the country. Just, just tell you right now, if you added 30% <laughs> of weight to an, a gasoline car, you would not be allowed to run it because, well, it's too heavy. So, but... Mm-hmm. But at any rate, so on the on the electrics, just be aware they're heavier. So if you're going to try and tinker with it, you know, because you're curious about it, remember, it's a lot heavier. So be careful. Just be real careful with it. There's careful a lot of procedures. There's a lot of safety procedures. You betcha. You betcha. A right. lot of them. Uh, and Mr. They Producer, well, you said we. Uh, you say we have another caller. Hey guys, yeah, we got another caller, uh, Javier. He wants to talk about EV parts. Okay, let's go to Javier. Javier, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Jerry. Long time no speak to you. Well, that's only because you never hang around Spectre Minor Road Auto Collision, so I can talk to you. <laughs> You're a busy man. Uh, no, no. To the- Today is raining, so there's no cycling. So, you know, I thought I, you know, listen again and say, you know what? I need to say hello and thank them for everything that you do for all of us in the automotive industry. And believe it or not, there's more than two people listening to you. Oh, yeah. Well, I thought me and Jim was about it. Uh, on the <laughs> – what do you got for uh, – Taking care of the bodies, paint and bodies, like Jim was alluding to early. We got about four minutes, five minutes. Go ahead. 
What do you well, recommend to take care um, of these cars? Interesting that you guys are talking about, you know, the uh, manufacturers and everything that's coming around. Uh, one of the things that we're experiencing is the changing of all these metals and aluminums that are coming in. And, you know, it, it's been a challenge for us. And, you know, really like to uh, tell the consumers and your listeners that when they start looking at these cars and they start buying these cars, really look at what they're purchasing. I know they're trying to make them lighter, fat, and lighter and more uh, durable, but uh, again, you know, people come in with aluminum panels, and we have to tell them, you know, we have to replace these panels because it's for the metal or the uh, aluminum is very thin. They really get upset, and I go, there's nothing that we can do. You know, this is the way things are. The plastic, the molds are so different now. Um, people under- don't understand that some of these uh, plastics cannot be fixed. The more paint you put on these bumps, that have sensors, the more distractions it's going to be to the radar. So really start educating yourself as far as what exactly you're going to be purchasing nowadays. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's, that's you know, that's unfortunately, most of us don't know what to look for, and you know, whether it's aluminum fender or if it's a plastic fender. I do know that uh, Lindar is a plastic trans- transforming manufacturer, and they're going to grow. They will grow to $8.4 billion by 2023, making hard plastics and plastic parts for cars, $8.4 billion. So there's a lot of of light stuff coming out. Right. But But here's here's what you need to realize. Who's going to be repairing and how are you going to be repairing all those road rushes, everything that you pull up to the curve or, you know, bottom out with these – roads that we have here in Tucson with the uh, potholes, and now you're taking out the bottom of the car. You know, again, uh, use common sense. I'm not saying don't go out and buy these uh, cars. All I'm saying is that uh, just be aware that um, Tucson especially, it's 115, 120 plus besides the uh, road condition. All that plastic changes the module of of these uh, vehicles when they're changing and you're replacing parts. So those are the challenges that we have today, along with the paint materials and the pearls. Um, When you have a metal and a plastic, those two components, the paint's not going to match. I don't care what you do, where do you go. You have to be aware that when it comes down, they're beautiful cars, don't get me wrong, and everything is looking nicer, but the repairability, none of us count on getting into an accident or having a misfortune of backing into the wife's car. But, you know, think about what the outcome is going to be of a repair. Right, right. Good information, good information. Well, you're about due to come on and uh, do about a 30-minute spill on this stuff. Unfortunately, we're, we're out of just, well, we're out of time right now. And uh, no problem. so I'm going to be contacting you 
if you're still working at the shop, I'll make another gander over there and we'll do some talking. I live there, Jerry. So this is uh <laughs> All right, Betty. All right, I'll take your word right. for it. All right. You bet. See you <laughs> later. You, you guys later. have a great Thanks weekend. For calling. You bet. Bye bye. Thank you. All right, bye bye. All right, lensautobrokerage.com, 520-628-7500, lensautobrokerage.com, desertrv.com. That's, they specialize in toy haulers. Uh, Parker Automotive, the phone number is 323-1960, 5101 East Speedway. Merle's com. go to merlesauto.com. They've been around a long time, got a lot of places scattered around Arizona. That'll give you the information where you can locate them at. They also have a machine shop at 807-4010-15 West Ajo. Rotors, drums, and flywheels for the weekend guys. Automotive specialist, 572-1734 is the office. Brian's sale number is 237-3852. Put the 520 before both phone numbers in order to get through. All right, I've got my advertisers in. Got my advertisers in. Of course, Frontier Towing, he's the one. Jim's been the one backing me up all day long, so we know what Frontier Towing is. And that's seven four eight eleven hundred for all of your towing needs. If it needs to be towed, they've got a vehicle that they can put it on and get it out. From motorcycles, they've got the special trailer for the little motorcycles, and they've got the monster trucks for the big stuff. So anything you need tow, Frontier Towing, seven four eight eleven hundred. All right, how much time we got left, Mr. Producer? Two minutes. Two All minutes. right. Well, I think we can probably cover two minutes. Jim, is there anything you want to hit on for the motor in public before we actually so close I, this show today? There, just I'll reiterate from Big Al, there are flash flood warnings out there. That means they're going to, washes are going to be running, and we need to be careful. Up in Sabino Creek, there's a flash flood till 11 a.m., that means that water's going to be running down Sabino Creek into the Rito. It'll be running down into, what is it, the Pantano, then the Rito. So cool to sit there on the bridge and watch. Don't run in it. Um, stay out of the water, folks, because uh, you don't want to be in there. Absolutely. You don't want to be on the YouTube video for the swift, the swift water rescue. And trust me, there will be somebody filming That's- you. So. <laughs> That's, Other that's than that, true. Uh, that's true. There's always <laughs> there's always somebody watching you now today. It used to be not that way, but um, it's it's a it's a, and always it's a super safe Saturday. Be safe out there, Jerry. You be safe. Thanks everybody for listening today. We really appreciate it. Even though there was more than two people, we had four today. So I'm very excited. All right. Well, until next Saturday, God bless. Drive safe. Remember that if you haven't changed your wiper blades, it's about past time. And get it's that cabin air filter changed because you got a lot of humidity and dirt. So drive safe. God bless.